The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Folding Warehouse, Ipsy, Ann Arbor. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Alex Jewell, there's some redecorating going on at the Student Athlete Performance Center. Make room. There are two trophies coming to Ypsilanti. That's right. A huge performance by Eastern Michigan football last Friday. Greg, you'll hear about some of the details in the rundown at the end of this segment before we get into the first interviews of the day. But man, oh man, what a great performance by Eastern Michigan, beating Central Michigan 38-19, to an absolute dismantling of the Chippewas. Really, Greg, a great first half, but it was the second half performance by Eastern Michigan that really set the tone. The defense came up big yet again, holding Central to 250 yards of offense. What a what a job they've done in the last eight weeks. How about this? Eight wins for Eastern Michigan. Not going to be representing the MAC West in the championship game this Saturday. That is a bummer due to the head-to-head with Toledo. Yep. But a co-MAC West Division championship for the first time in school history and reclaiming the Michigan MAC for the first time since 2012 and eight wins for the first time since 1987. Um, there's so much more we could say, but I know you talked to Coach Creighton today and we'll let him say do most of the talking because He's earned it, and so is this team. Yeah, he certainly has. They they collect those trophies. People kind of made fun of Jeff Jenick when he first thought up this idea of the Michigan Mac trophy. It wasn't a thing until he came up with it. Then it started as a rotating trophy, and it's been so long since Eastern's had it in its possession that it's finally good to come back where it originated. Yeah, uh, and, and why not have it be a serious thing, Greg? I mean, there's plenty of rivalries uh, each and every year, whether you look at like a Michigan, Michigan State or or whether Central Western, for example, where it's just a two team rivalry and they take a trophy very seriously. Why not make it a three team trophy between the interstate rivals, Western, Central, Eastern? And it's even more impressive to win the Michigan Mac because you've had to beat two teams and Eastern Michigan left no doubt against Western Michigan and Central Michigan this year absolutely handling both of those teams. I think they should roll it out across the board. I think we should have a Michigan Mac trophy collectively across all the sports. Right now it's just three. I think you could do it for every everyone that all three have. Well, the only problem with that uh, would be that Eastern Michigan would probably retain a lot of those Michigan Mac trophies every year because if you look at the sports down the board, there'd be a lot of great competition. But Eastern Michigan, as we know, 156 MAC titles, that leads everybody in the conference. And we've done our fair share of dominating in a lot of sports against Central Michigan and Western Michigan. So maybe all the reason to make it more universal between those sports. Chris Graydon not done collecting hardware as this weekend. He'll hand out some of his own. It's the annual football bust at Eagle Crest as they will host that. They'll talk about players of the year, all that, the team awards to celebrate that. And then they'll find out where their bowl destination will be. It will be sometime between 2.30 and 5 o'clock when it comes out. Uh, We'll have full coverage right on emueagles.com. We'll speak to those in the know. And we'll get you set for bowl location, bowl destination. Uh, We don't know where we're going. We've talked about that in the past. But Eastern knows they want one more space for that bowl championship trophy now. That reside with those two others. Yeah, the season's not done, and Eastern Michigan's taking that very seriously. Hey, Greg, we're going to play a little game this week. We're not going to do a keyword, but everybody at this time of year seems to have bold predictions. So instead of a keyword this week, if you're listening out there, DM Eastern Michigan Athletics on Facebook or Twitter. You can send one to me or Greg as well. Tell us which bowl game you think Eastern Michigan is going to play in. If you get it right, 
We'll put you in a drawing for a Folding Warehouse gift card, the title sponsor of this podcast. You and a friend will get a free round of Folding if you can guess the bowl game correctly that Eastern Michigan is going to go to. Before Sunday, Greg, before the awards for football, before the bowl announcement, plenty of other action going on around campus and with some different teams here. Wednesday night, men's basketball gets back at it at Florida International. That's a tough game down in Miami that Stan Heath really wants to win. And then Thursday night, right here at the George Griffin Game Above Center, women's basketball, they'll put that 4-0 record to the test against North Dakota State, who's also undefeated and has been really, really hot this year uh, early on. Women's basketball gets that big win over IUPY just the other day. They were a tournament team a year ago. A really good win for them so far. But yeah, a good test now against... North Dakota State and North Dakota they get this week. John Motherwell, former EMU football player, coming back to be the acting head coach for North Dakota. So that'll be a fun twist as well on Sunday. Absolutely will. And Sunday will double dip. It's a men's and women's doubleheader that starts at noon. So make sure that if you're not attending the football banquet, there's a great chance to, to come out to a pair of basketball games here. And uh, there'll be plenty of announcements, I'm sure, in-game about the football team and where they're going to go and whatnot. But Greg, even before action starts, on Wednesday for the men's basketball team, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about a big day tomorrow across all of campus. It's Giving Tuesday, dubbed Giving True Day here at Eastern Michigan. A great chance if you're listening, if you can contribute at all to whether it's uh, it's our programs here in media relations, whether it's athletics or whether it's just something you want to support across campus, a great opportunity to support Eastern Michigan. It's a big day for our university to continue to bring in funding that continues to fund the programs that we offer here. No gift too big, too small. We appreciate everything that you can give back. And certainly go on to emueagles.com. Look for the little gift button at the top that says donate, and it will take you to wherever your favorite program is. Or you can go to emuathleticfund.com, and that'll also get you there. Or if you want, just stop by Dan McLean's office. He'll be glad to help you out whenever you can. Or or stop by Suite 307 here at the George Griffin Game Above Center. That's uh, where our offices are located. If you want to drop off a, a little, I don't know, a gift card to a favorite lunch restaurant or something like that, Greg and I would be happy to take that off your hands. But all joking aside, any gift that you can give, whether it's $0.10 cents or $10, or as Greg said, no gift too big if you're out there and your wallet's just got a hole burning in it, well, we, we certainly not, appreciate not it. Not everybody has game above money, but no, we'll that's take true. every gift between the here and there. We'll take every gift, and it's uh, really just a great chance to give back to the student-athletes. A lot of the funding goes directly into programs and initiatives that help our student-athletes and our students on campus. So a great chance to give back there. Other than that, Greg, it's a little bit lighter of a week than some of the weeks we've seen on campus, but that gives you plenty of time to focus in on these sports here. Well, we certainly do, but everybody should come out. Circle Sunday. It's a doubleheader, a big day around Eastern Athletics. The women's game at noon, the men's game at 2.30 against FAU. Uh, come out, show your support, and then find out the bowl destination. I know I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter asking when we're going to have gear, West Division Championship, all that. Still in the bag, uh, trying to get that all finalized. It takes time. Holiday weekend slows things down. So, uh, folks, it's coming. I promise you. It is coming, and so is a couple of really good interviews on this show. We'll take a quick break on the other side of it. Chris Creighton sits down with Greg. Greg, uh, I know you had a great conversation with him, and it's fun to talk to Coach after the eighth win of the season and the Michigan MAC Championship. He'll run down what it means to the team and then what they're still looking to do in a bowl game. And then I got a chance to sit down with Fred Castro, head basketball coach for the women's team, and senior guard Natalia Pineda to talk about their 4-0 start. Plenty to come on this show. We're going to take a quick time out to pay the bills. We're back right after this. 
Five events were on the table for Eastern Michigan teams last week with a heavy emphasis on basketball. The men's team was in Cancun for the Cancun Challenge, where they came up just short in a pair of games, first against Purdue-Fort Wayne on Tuesday and then against Winthrop on Wednesday. They returned home for a Sunday matchup against UC San Diego in a game that came down to the wire but saw EMU come up just short, 66-63. Amani Bates had 17 points and a double-double effort for the green and white. Meanwhile, the women's team picked up a pre-Thanksgiving win to stay undefeated, beating IUPUI last Wednesday, 71-49, behind 19 points from sophomore guard Lachelle Austin. Austin was 7 of 12 from the floor. Sanera Skanes added 17 points and 11 boards to give her consecutive double-double performances. It was a momentous week for the EMU football program, who welcomed rival Central Michigan to Rainierson Stadium on Friday. One of the most electric performances of the year saw the Eagles dismantle the Chippewas 38-19 to pick up their 8th win of the season, the most for the team since 1987. The team also secured the Michigan Mac Trophy for the first time since 2012, and thanks to help from Western Michigan and their win over Toledo, claimed a co-Mac West Division Championship for the first time in school history. Toledo will represent the West Division in Saturday's MAC Championship game due to their head-to-head win over EMU. For full stats, storylines, and more, visit emueagles.com or download the official Eastern Michigan Athletics app. Eastern Michigan able to take down its rival Central Michigan on Black Friday and more importantly, able to host the Michigan MAC Trophy back here on campus for the first time since 2012. Coach, congratulations. What a victory it was over your rival. Just a strong start-to-finish complimentary game. It was, it was a great day. Uh, it was a great day for Eastern Michigan football. Honestly, it was a great week. I mean, just even going back to the Scout Bowl that we had um, um, and then, you know, being Senior Day um, and the things that we do with that, uh, trying to honor those guys and their families. Um, and, you know, it wasn't perfect, but we really played at a high level um, for most of the game. There's yep. a couple plays that we want to have back, certainly a couple penalties that we want to have back. But when you look at the totality of it, it was a uh, it was a great performance by our guys. When you start out here nine years ago, the goal was always to hoist a MAC championship trophy. You got some help from Western Michigan as well as Toledo falls on that final day. So you were able to get the Michigan MAC and the West Division co-championship. It doesn't make up for not being able to go to Ford Field, but how validating is it for these kids to say that they're champions? Well, we're we're Michigan MAC champions and we're co-champions, and you know we lose to Toledo. They beat us head to head. So, <laughs> validation may not be the right word. I just think that it's that we're we were super close. You know, we were two minutes and thirteen seconds, and or just you know any any one play in that Toledo game when you get a close game like that. Um, you know, could have gone a different direction, um, you know, but it didn't. And so, I mean, when we announced in the locker room that we were co-Mac West champions, there was not a lot of hoopla. I mean, the the Toledo loss stings, yep. you know, I mean, it was deep. I mean, we needed those 10 days. Um, and uh, I will also say, you know, the resolve, the grit, the determination, the character to come back and you know, win our, our next three and not just win them. Um, you know, the, the Kent state game, I keep talking right. about that, just how our guys believed and wanted it so badly. And then, um, just the culture of our program, the, the program, the love for each other. I'm just telling you, you know, with this central Michigan game, just it, all that just came forward and came out. And, um, so after, a, you know, when we officially, you know, weren't able to play for a MAC championship. Our guys, um, you know, certainly didn't break, but really rose to the occasion. Yeah, because that could have really been a tipping point. You look at it, you lost to Toledo, 
down the stretch, your guys actually responded and, and came more resilient after that in a way. No question. That's yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really proud um, of them for that, and uh, we're not done yet. You know, we're not done. So there's still goals and and uh, things to achieve, and uh, we certainly want that. It was another game that your defense stood up to the challenge, holding CMU under 250 total yards. You, you look at it, they played that three-quarterback system. But again, your defensive line able to, to really cause a difference. Grant Truman, another strong sack. And, and then Jose Ramirez continues to be right there among the nation's leaders. If this guy isn't all-Mac player of the year caliber, I don't know who is. Yeah, I, you know, you never know how, how people are going to vote and all that. But uh He's certainly um, worthy, certainly deserving, you know, of being the the MAC Defensive Player of the Year. There's no question. And our defense, again, it's uh, I've said it, I think, every week, but the the changes that you know our defensive staff had the courage to make, and then just the the intellect, the wisdom, the the working together, the collaboration, our guys able to receive it every mm-hmm. week and to make adjustments and to to believe in it. Um, you know, we, we really haven't had, you know, a single week where, um, the plan didn't work. Right. Um, and for anybody who's followed us, you know, we've had, we had the best defense in the league in 18, we had a really, really good defense in um, in 17 and all, you know, but you know, right now, um, we're playing a different style and, and, uh, we're playing it really well. You, you mentioned that you look at when that defensive change happened. You guys were the bottom third in the league, right? In total defense, you finished the season number three in terms of total defense, and really a, a tip of the crap to, to how you guys responded, changed. And on the offensive side of the football, it was just steady, normal. Samson Evans becomes the first thousand yard rusher since uh, Darius Jackson. But you got the offense involved. Taylor Powell, again, able to move the chains in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I thought our offense. Um you know, played well. We, we missed on a couple plays, um, you know, throwing the ball down the field. And we, we certainly regret not getting the fourth and one. Uh, but other than that, you know, we were re- really able to move the ball to the ground and through the air um, and, uh, you know, scored 38 points. And, you know, the defense uh, took the ball away three times. Um, two of those times, you know, we, you know were layups for yeah. us. Um, and then we didn't turn the ball over. Um, and so it's complimentary football and, um, you know, special teams, we won the battle of field position, you know, we gave up the, the long kickoff return and, um, uh, got the field goal blocked. So, you know, we weren't perfect anywhere, but, you know, overall we, we really, um, had a dominant performance. You now look ahead to the future. Bowl announcement will come on Sunday. It also happens to be the day that you get together, honor your team with the annual banquet, get together and regroup and look at the year ahead. Uh, what is this time now for you, this week of uncertainty? What's it like? How do you prepare knowing that you're going to have a football game? You don't know where, who, all that stuff. Or when. Or when. You know, that. I mean, those are all major factors because we're, you know, trying to plan. We have planned our recruiting and our official visits and all of those things. And, you know, the, the bowl span can be anywhere from the 16th of December to the 30th. And so, you know, those are vastly different dates um, and would affect us, um, you know, very differently. So, um, I mean, I'm keeping our ears, you know, to the ground. I just asked you if you you knew anything and, um, you know, we have some, some ideas of where we're not going. I mean, there's been some announcements already and, um, but uh, I, I know this, that, 
we're excited, you know, about the opportunity to play again as a team and to, again, to do something that, you know, hasn't been done since, since 87. And, um, you know, I, I just, our, our team truly is a team and we enjoy being around each other and, and, uh, continuing to, you know, go after, you know, our best and trying to stack, you know, each week. And, um, so we're, we're all looking forward to what's next. The other thing that always is unique this time of year is it's a time of transition. You're going to see some people that put their name in the transfer portal. You're going to see coaching changes come and go that may or may not affect the staff. How, how do you also keep everything together this time when you know there are a possibility of moving pieces? Yeah. I mean, I think that moving pieces are inevitable and I'll just start with, I mean, we're going to have seniors who are graduating and who are, who've exhausted their eligibility. I mean, it was a, an emotional day, you know, when those guys were going through the tunnel, you know, with their families, some of those guys have been here for a long time. And, uh, so there's, you know, that, that's the nature of college football. It's just changing in that instead of every four years now, you know, it can be uh, a lot more often than that. And, you know, coaches that the profession has changed in that way. I honestly don't like this time of year, um, in that way. Mm Um, I'm still somebody who believes in program and development and, um, deep relationships with, yep. with, uh, coaches and, uh, and players and coaches recruiting guys and then seeing them graduate. And, you know, what a unbelievable thrill that is to be somebody's coach throughout the entire period. Um, you know, but I also know that like, you know, coaches have, have goals yep. and, um, you know, opportunities are going to present themselves. And so, um, you know, when it's time for, for guys to go, honestly, I just want, you know, for the time that they've been here, to have been <laughs> awesome for them, yep. you know, and their family. Um, and, uh, you know, doesn't mean that it's not, that, that, that there's not a time where it's right for, for someone to move right. on, but it's always hard, yep. even when it's right. You know, I was just talking to Jay Nunez, you know, they had their third son was born and, um, you know, he's coaching in his home state at the University of Oklahoma. And, um, Gosh, I mean, he, he just did such a great job as our special teams and defensive tackles and any recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was honestly, it was absolutely, he had done so much here and had recruited guys and seen them graduate. He was here for five years and got, got an amazing opportunity in Oklahoma. And so I bawled my eyes out, yeah. but I knew that it was the right thing and the right yep. time. And, and, uh, so, um, yeah, so there will be some changes. I, I do hope to, and we just talked about it as a staff, um, you know, we do things a little bit differently here. And when this is all that you've known, you don't really know what to compare it to. But I do think that, you know, and hope that our guys are having incredible experiences. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, how many programs other than when you make a movie for Notre Dame get so excited when you got a senior who never played a single down mm-hmm. of football? Um, you know, got into the game. They carried him off the field on right. the shoulders. Yep. You know, um, you know. I mean, that, that's that's one example of you know things. Or that your team captain giving up his spot at the captain's meeting the last few weeks. I mean, those are shows the unselfishness that you guys have. Yeah, they're just it's in the scout bowl. I mentioned that. You know, I mean, guys um, going nuts for the for the guys during the game. It's just like it was as intense as a Saturday deal. Um, and uh, so. You know, you do um, everything just becomes more and more, you know, businessy. Um, and there's definitely, you know, 
decisions have to be made and there's a certain amount of scholarships mm-hmm. and there's time and money and all of those things. Um, but, uh, gosh, I, you know, still want it to be a college, you know, experience and, and, uh, for it to be one of the most incredible experiences, you know, of our guys' lives. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep fighting for that. Keep fighting. Yeah. I, I think you, you start a transaction, you want to see it through. So, and, and Eastern will have its chance in a bowl game coming up. The announcement will come on Sunday. I know you love to recruit, but you're on the other side now. You've worked to to get people to recruit you to their bowl the last few years. What's your final sales pitch to to somebody that you want to select us to come to their bowl? I, I think that you know if anybody does their homework, I mean they're they're going to know what they're getting. Uh, a team that absolutely wants to be there. That this is a a really really big deal. Uh, a chance for our program to get nine wins, you know, for the first time since 1987 Mm -hmm. to, you know, have a bowl win for the first time um, since 1987. Um, And like you mentioned, a group that's tough and resilient and will, will fight to, you know, the bitter end. Um, So what, what's not to love about that? Coach, thanks as always for your time. We'll see you Sunday at the bowl and for the bowl and at the banquet and for the bowl announcement. I'll be there. There he is, head coach Chris Creighton. We roll on on the Eastern Sider right after this. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. Back here on the Eastern Insider Podcast, and no better guest to join us this week than Fred Castro, the head women's basketball coach. His team off to a 4-0 start. Coach, you were on a couple weeks ago, but since then, another couple of impressive wins. And how about a 71-49 dismantling of IUPUI here at home last week before the Thanksgiving break? And for those that may not know, IUPUI is a good Horizon League team. This is a team that went to the NCAA tournament a year ago, lost some pieces, but they gave Oklahoma a run for a run for their money. I know you have to be thrilled with the result that you got last Wednesday. Yeah, no question. Like you said, uh, a really good all club and uh, a team that had just scored 97 points. Um, so dangerous. They can really fill it up. They can get really hot. So it was nice to see us perform defensively the way we did. Um, I thought our players were so connected, so locked in. And, uh, you know, we've really kind of shown that in every game in the first half. The difference was the second half, we maintained that. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the 97 they put up. That was against Ohio just a couple days before. Non-conference play is great because you get to see where your team's at and, and address some things before conference play. Is it sometimes good as a head coach, though, when there's some common opponents between you and some other MAC institutions? Just to, because you know a lot about Ohio. You've seen them year in and year out. Granted, they've got a different roster this year. But is it nice? Nice to see what IUPUI does against a team like Ohio and then be able to judge it against what your team does against them? Or does, does it really just not matter at this point in the year? Yeah, you can kind of take, take it with a grain of salt, right? It's so early in the year. And, you know, if that game would have been against Ohio a year ago where they're returning all these players, then it's a different, different story. I think Ohio's... Uh, 
in a transition right now where they're really trying to figure out their roles and we're five, four, five, six games in. Uh, but still, it's not nonetheless, it's a game right after they played Ohio. So there is some barometer in terms of where are we at, where are they at, where, where's, where does it fit in together? Uh, but to be honest with you, I, I don't look into it too much. Uh, it is something that you do mention it to your team, right? Hey, these guys just scored 97 on Ohio. Where are we at? and let's go show it. Piggybacking off that, I know you're a fan of the game itself, a fan of Mac women's college basketball, so I know you've been following some of the other teams. <laughs> What's the balance when you see, uh, you know, your counterparts at Kent State, for example, they knock off a Power 5 team. You see Toledo off to the hot start. They're, they're off to, they lose to undefeated Penn State by one point, a very close game against the Nittany Lions. What's the balance between being excited for those programs and coaches that I know you like off the court? And, and what does it mean for Mac basketball? But what's the flip side of that? Like, whew, these teams are, these teams are, are off and rolling once again, and they're going to be a real challenge come Mac play. Yeah, to me, it's real simple. You want all these Mac schools to win as much as possible. And uh, regardless if they win or lose, they're, they're going to be tough once you play them. Um, so you want, you know, for us as head coaches in the league, what makes us unique is that we're not a one team bid team for the NCAA tournament. And for us to keep getting to potentially three teams in the tournament, we need everyone to do well in non-conference. So, um, you know, Toledo's playing at a high level. Bowling Green is playing at a high level. NIU is playing as good as anybody in the league right now. So it's it's exciting to see. And, you know, um, you know, Ball State is putting up big numbers. So really, it's a different day. Same story with, with our league and in terms of scheduling a certain way and, and getting tough wins. IUPUI came into the game against you guys as the 12th best three-point shooting team in the country. In fact, two games in a row before they played you, they hit 13 threes each of those games. Only four against you. You hold them to 20% shooting. What is it about the defensive side of the ball this year that helped to put them in that position? Because clearly it was more than just a poor shooting day. Mm -hmm. It was not getting open looks. One thing I saw on the TV broadcast is you, it seems like every year you've had this, but this year maybe more than ever with the, with the length and the athleticism of your team, you're able to guard like two or three feet beyond the three-point line and still have lanes clogged up. Is that is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, and I think the the preparation, uh, our, our staff the, do a great job in creating scout. Collectively, we, we come up with a game plan, and the players have done a remarkable job thus far in carrying over the drill work, um, the game concepts, and putting it in the game format. And that's you, you would think that's just a normal thing. It's, it's not. And it, the other thing is they're playing. We're playing together really, really well. Defense is a five on five thing. It's a team thing. And I thought we were incredibly connected the other night defensively. Um, even when they scored, they had to earn it. So I, I thought for 40 minutes, we really played a really good team defense. I'll get you out of here on this young team. A lot of uh players on the roster that have been here, but a lot of new players as well. How nice is it as a coach to get off to the 4-0 start? What does that do for the locker room? Because obviously I know you're never going to say the job's complete. There's always things to learn. But for a young team that's building confidence, how much easier is it to teach with the wins that are coming with it as opposed to losses on the, on the scoreboard and then still having to go back and assess the 
the places you need to get better in. Right. Now, there's no question you, you want to learn from wins, right? Um, the fact is sometimes the best lessons are after losses, but uh, you, you don't want to have to go through those if, 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 if at all possible. What I will tell you is this team, um, more so than any other team that I've had, is incredibly humble and hungry. Um, they they really want to work to get better. They They go watch the film on their own before we even get to them. They know what we're going to say afterwards. And, and they, they really want it. I think, I think our leaders in Lachelle Austin and Sonera Skeins have done a great job. Natalia Pineda have done a great job in um, kind of reinforcing that culture in terms of being prepared, doing everything you need to do to, you know, to be individually and collectively ready for opponents. And, and it showed against IUPUI. Coach, thanks for the few minutes. Congratulations on the 4-0 start. And you're in the midst of a five-game home stretch. Another home game on Thursday night, 7 o'clock against a good North Dakota State team. I know that you've enjoyed seeing people come out, and they should continue to come out. This is a rare stretch of, of having this many home games before the holiday. No question. And, and North Dakota State is 6-0. and They beat Minnesota. They just went to a tournament in Nevada and beat a good Boise team and Nevada team. Uh, we're going to need everybody's support and help and, and really create a home court advantage for us as, you know, two undefeated teams get to play each other. So someone's got to go home with the L and uh, we, we want as much uh, fan support as possible. A good early season matchup. Coach, good luck on Thursday night. We'll take a quick time out right after this. More women's basketball. Natalia Pineda joins us. She'll talk about her hot start and what's going on in the locker room to create that 4-0 sprint for Eastern Michigan. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Your home for all things Eastern all the time. You heard from Fred Castro, the women's basketball head coach. Now let's hear from Natalia Pineda, senior joining us. She's from Miami, Florida, but she's called Ypsilanti home for the last five years, and her team's off to a 4-0 start. Nat, we talked before the season. I know you had a lot of high hopes for your teammates and for the team. So far, so good. 4-0. What's led to the hot start? I think uh, we've been doing our best to like learn from every single game we're playing. We have a new motion offense uh, that we installed, which takes a lot of time, but I think we've even been surprised our coaches and the fact that like we've been running it really well and I think that's just learning from every single game every practice like we we really try to do our best to fix those little things like every practice so I think that you know accumulate for those that are listening that saw the season preview video you were interviewed in that video and one of the things we talked about then was you talked about getting this extra year to come back and mm -hmm. be a part of the team and some things that were maybe unfinished business on your end well you've you've proven that you've been ready to go this year nine points per game that's a career high for you mm -hmm. it seems like you, you're getting more minutes than you've ever gotten on the court you're in that leadership role I know it's only a four game stretch so a lot of games to go but through four games, how do you feel like you've done in terms of accomplishing those personal goals that you had for yourself? I think I've um, been more consistent in the fact that like I've delivered somehow, whether, for example, last game, I didn't have like a lot of points, but I was able to get like eight assists to facilitate for my team. And I think the difference between this year and all my other years is just that like, if I'm not scoring, I try to find, you know, those effort plays, or I try to just do something that will make a difference in the 
game, like taking charges. I think I took like three or two charges last game. That made a difference, you know. So I think I'm just trying my hardest to be in that leadership role and facilitate any way I can. One thing I talked to Coach about was, you know, obviously there's things to learn after every game. There's mm. things that you guys need to get better at. There's things that you've done great. How much easier as a player is it? And in the locker room, as you're watching some of the younger players, how much easier is it to maybe take some of that criticism or learn from some of those mistakes, knowing you've got four wins to go along with it mm -hmm. and not having to worry about taking it while you're still trying to figure out how to put wins on the, on the column? Right. So um, I think it just comes with experience. Like, like you said, there's a lot of young girls on the team. And with me, like I even try advising them, like sometimes you got to take the criticism, you know, learn from it, like hear it, but then kind of just like swipe it off of yourself too. Like, I think I've learned little tricks throughout my career here that like, I just have to have confidence in myself at the end of the day. And like, we're all here. We all have been playing for a really long time, you know, whether it's high school or elementary school, whatever it is, like we know what we can do. And I think just like trusting each other um, has been the biggest thing. Spending a few moments here with Natalia Pineda. Nat, I know you love all your teammates. So this oh. isn't this isn't to single anybody out or call anybody out, but there's been a lot of players that have been improved this year. Yeah. Excluding yourself, who's one player that through these four games, even you've been on kind of the court or on the bench and said, Wow, like yeah. they've they've been even better than we thought they were gonna yeah. be. Yeah. I would my the first person that comes to mind is like Lachelle. I think since last year, uh, her confidence has really just risen above like her effort level, just every little thing you can think of. Um, she's risen above it. She's just showed that she's learned so much and like she wants to prove something each and every game. And she's really given her all for us and obviously to the game as well. You're in the midst of a five game home stretch. People can come out and watch you guys on Thursday night. This is a big game on Thursday. Mm -hmm. North Dakota State is a good team. They're off to a six and a start. You guys are four and oh. As a player, is this kind of like, this is what you play for, right? Matchups like this, a big matchup. How how awesome is it for you guys to know you're going into this against a really good team, but you guys are really good. And how excited are you for, for Thursday night? I'm really excited. I think it's so, I mean, I think it's hilarious that we're both, you know, off to a really hot start. I think it would be a great opportunity for us. Every game we've played has been like harder, harder and harder competition wise. And I think this is like a really big challenge for us. And I'm excited to see how we do. Matt, congrats. Congrats on the hot start for the team and for you personally. Good luck on Thursday night. Hey, thank you, Alex. There she thank is, you. Natalia Pineda, Fred Castro. You heard from them both on this week's show. Don't forget, they play Thursday night at 7 o'clock here in the George Gervin Game Above Center. Tickets available. Make sure you call the ticket office and get them now so you can come watch a 4-0 versus a 6-0 team. We'll take one quick timeout, then Greg and I are back to wrap it up on this week's Eastern Insider Podcast. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.